Describe the scene when you start working with a new stroke patient and their family. Well, usually right when I walk in the room, I can get a read of how that patient and the caregiver have been interacting for the morning and what it's been like since they had their stroke. I can tell if, if the caregiver is feeling exasperated, tired, scared, overwhelmed. I, it, it's painted right on their face and, and the patient as well. They want answers and they want help. A stroke can be very scary. And if it happens to a loved one, the entire family takes a hit. This is Gina DiPietro with Novant Health Healthy Headlines. Today, Josh Jarman asks Amanda Doss at Novant Health Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation to provide advice for caregivers. Stick around to learn why you should reorganize your medicine cabinet, how to deal with guilt, and when you should show sympathy versus tough love, even if it is hard. Thanks for listening. So how do you quickly assess the room and then start trying to get everybody on the same page to work towards a treatment plan? Well, I ask them what brought them here and how has it been since they left the hospital? We just really try to get a feel for the, the daily life, a little bit of the struggle or the achievements. Now he can eat and drink water without choking. Oh, that's a great milestone. Um, what's it like getting dressed? What did you guys used to do? What do you enjoy doing together? How can we get back to that? And, and if you get them talking about previous life, the current life feels like maybe we can get through that and back to what we used to be. So we're talking about coming back from a stroke, um, but what causes a stroke and how does it affect patients? Well. A stroke can be caused by several different things. A lot of time it's cardiovascular disease and um, there's a clot or a blockage in a cerebral artery that closes all the way off and then it injures that part of the brain. Sometimes we have an aneurysm in a blood vessel in the brain and it bursts and we have a bleed or there's a blunt force trauma. We fall, hit our head and we have a bleed and pressure on the brain. Um, sometimes our heart isn't beating regularly and it creates a clot in the heart that then travels to the brain and stops up an artery. All of those things can have minimal or devastating effects depending on how big the artery is that's blocked off, what's downstream of that artery and not getting the blood it needs to function anymore. So tell me about this patients that come to you and what kind of therapy that you're able to provide, uh, not just you, but the team that you work on, what does that look like? We're constantly collaborating with, I'm a physical therapist, with the occupational therapy or with speech therapy, really targeting and overlapping and continuing on with um, all the components of therapy that get this person whole again. If, if they're having a lot of trouble brushing their hair and reaching into the cabinet, I'm gonna get them standing so that they can reach that far. I'm gonna help with the standing and the balance and occupational therapy, they're reaching and manipulating objects. We all work together to get somebody restored whole again. So how do you define success? Because I'm sure that looks different for everyone. <laughs> well, 
as a therapist, we have goals that we want these people to achieve. They're, they're goals that are meaningful to them. I want to be able to play tennis. I want to be able to walk my dog. I want to be able to go up the stairs to my bedroom. Right. When we can do that, we've met goals. But it's also that my success is measured in how that patient adapts mm -hmm. and how well they get back to the life that they want to be living, even if it doesn't look quite like it did before. So just from the little bit I've observed today, I've noticed that you're not only working with the patient, though, you're, you're really counseling the whole family, right? Absolutely. A stroke um, survivor needs, they need a village around them. They need their caregivers. Mm -hmm. They need a lot of support because there's a lot of information and um, a lot of challenges and they need the, the help of the caregivers to keep them moving forward and toward their goals. What advice do you have for returning home, whether it's safety modifications around the house or this new list of medication they're taking? Okay, we always talk with the caregiver and the patient about their home situation, make sure that they roll up all their little throw rugs, make sure they're good sturdy railings by any steps, night lights, um, reduce the clutter so that the path from bathroom to bed to kitchen to living room they're all very clear and easy to get to navigate. We also recommend that you print out the medication list and the dosing schedule and you buy yourself a pill sorter because these are going to be, chances are good, a lot of new medications with a dosing schedule that's different than what you've done before and you're overwhelmed you don't want to mess that up. So pill sorter and having everything printed out for you was really helpful. And then putting it out of reach just in case your, your loved one is not reliable for properly taking their medications. So this can be very taxing, obviously. Yes, um, yes. How do you prevent burnout for your caregivers? I always recommend saying yes to help that is offered. And when the dust settles and they kind of forget, you need to call back up your child, your sister, your brother, your friends, and say, I really could use um, one day a month, two days a month. Can you help me work with that? Really getting help. People will help you if, um, if you let them. Uh, which sounds good, but I just know most of us, at least for myself, we feel guilty asking for help, right? Or guilty taking a night for ourselves to go see a movie. Any advice for trying to get around that self-guilt? <laughs> self-guilt will bring you down as a parent, um, you know, as a, as a caregiver, especially, I think maybe even more than parent guilt. But when you take time for yourself, and then you come back to your loved one. You're a better person. You have more patience, you have, you're restored. If you don't give yourself what you need, you're going to be um, pretty soon unable to help or un, almost unwilling. So you really do need to take time for yourself to make the help that you give better. And as you start going through therapy with your loved one and they come back and they've got homework, uh, how do you walk that line of sympathy versus tough love, making sure they're doing it? I think setting them up for success and encouraging them 
this, remember, we're doing this homework so that we can get back to walking um, Benji, so that we can <laughs> go to the football game of our grandson this Friday. We are doing this so we can get back to our life. Let's do these exercises together. We'll both get stronger. Which sounds really good, but you also have to be mindful of the behavior changes and even depression, right, mm -hmm. that can set in? Absolutely. It takes a lot of energy to think through how to do what used to be automatic. And um, depending on the location of the stroke or just how severely affected you are, depression is a big handicap to returning to your former level of function. Um, recognizing it and getting it treated early is the best case scenario. Does insurance cover it? Insurance does cover it. And if you're an older individual having a stroke, Medicare um, frequently covers the cost of um, outpatient rehab services without copay. Huh. Some of the um, supplemental policies will allow more therapy but increase the cost of a copay per visit. If you're a younger person using a commercial uh, insurance, you probably are going to have more visit limits and more copays. But when you've exhausted your visits, but not exhausted your potential to continue to increase function and independence, there are other resources in the community to get um, rehab services through. What's one piece of advice that caregivers, maybe they do wrong uh, or they should avoid doing? I think caregivers are naturally in a nurturing role now. Right. Okay. They want to help and they want to show their love. Lots of times that translates into doing for a patient. If they're struggling, oh, let me help you. Mm. Um, if they don't initiate an activity quickly enough, they answer for them or do for them. When you have a stroke, when someone asks you a question, it takes longer to bring in that information and produce an answer. We have to wait for the answer. Sometimes it's just a split second, sometimes it's 15 or 20 seconds, but waiting for the answer helps the patient continue to think for themselves and make their needs known and get the task done. Being patient and waiting is, is also how you show your love, and it's very hard as a caregiver because you want to do it for them. Anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, I'd like to tell you about one more thing we offer here at Novant Health. It's the Stroke Bridge Clinic, and it's really the group that coordinates getting you rolling once you're discharged from the hospital to home Things are very overwhelming. The Stroke Bridge Clinic um, helps you understand all those new medications, helps set up in-home visits for you with a nurse navigator, helps set up a neurologist. Um, it, they are a great resource for getting transitioned from home health care to outpatient therapy services. They can help you figure out transportation. They're just a great resource and there are so many questions you have that you think you have the answers to, but you get home and you're like, oh, this Stroke Bridge Clinic 
can help you um, put your mind at ease, answer questions, get you back on track with helping your loved one. Gina DiPietro again. If you're caring for a stroke survivor, we hope this episode provided some helpful advice and encouragement. To learn more, visit Novant Health Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. And for more practical health tips and information, search Novant Health Healthy Headlines. Don't forget to rate us, review us, and subscribe to all of the Novant Health podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, or anywhere you choose to listen. Until next time, thanks for listening.